This is Canada Reads American Style, featuring two friends who love Canada Reads and Canadian literature. Welcome our host Rebecca from Michigan and Tara from Ontario. Hi everyone, it's Rebecca and Tara, and today we are kicking off our annual Christmas Books podcast, but with a special guest, author Jeremy John. Jeremy is currently ranked as the 62nd most famous person from Brantford, Ontario. Look it up. Apparently, there are a lot. His first book of short stories and the one we will be talking about today came out in 2021 from Dundurn Press. It is called Robert's Hill or The Time I Pooped My Snowsuit and Other Christmas Stories. Jeremy will complete the Poop Trilogy with his third book coming out in May 2024. All three titles will be listed in the show notes. Jeremy lives with his wife and kids and a dog that he pretends not to like in <laughs> Sudbury, Ontario. Welcome, Jeremy. Thank you very much. Delighted to be here. Okay, but first we have to know, why don't you like the dog? What's with the dog? <laughs> I didn't say I didn't like the dog. I say pretend not to like the dog. Yeah. Oh, the yeah, dog, that's right. That's yes. right, yeah. I, Bean, Bean is, a, is, a, is a good dog. He is, um, how do I put this nicely? He is so desperately lonely all the time Ooh. that it, it's pathetic and it makes me sad for him. Because <laughs> he can't even, he can't be in the room with you and not touch you. And if he can't not touch you, he has to be on your lap. And he has to almost to sit on your face just to know that you love him. It's, it's exhausting. Well, we love dogs. So. Yeah. And I was going to say, and in your defense, my husband also pretends to dislike our <laughs> yeah. dog. It's, it's, it's like a thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it seems to be pretty common. Yeah. Okay, Jeremy, to start off, we would love it if you could describe this collection of holiday-inspired stories for our listeners. Certainly. It's a collection of short stories all about Christmas. Uh, they're not religious stories. They're stories about family and tradition and coming together and, and the things that I think are most important about the holiday. And uh, where they came from is a sort of, a, will admit, an odd place. So ever since I was a little kid, I have read a story to my family as a Christmas gift uh, every year. We get together at grandpa's and sit by the tree and I read them a new story every year. And this is the best of the last 40 some odd years of stories that I've shared with my family. And I'm lucky that the people from Dundurn Press allowed me to put them together in a book and share them with even more people. Wow. So these are stories you've been sort of telling all along and you finally just kind of got them down on paper. Yeah. Uh, as luck would have it, a friend of a friend of a friend knows someone and uh, it told them about my tradition and they said, could we read a few? And uh, if it's an example of my abilities as a writer, uh, so I did 40 years of writing and I came up with like 12 stories that were good. So it goes to show you the level of quality of the other stories I had. Oh, and that's kind of amazing. Um, so did you know from the beginning well, since this is a collection that you had already had going for so many years, but did you know from the beginning that you wanted to write a trilogy and that they would be sort of holiday or season focused? Because I know the new one coming out is like a summer collection, correct? Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, never my idea to make a trilogy. I uh, one of the I've learned one of the best things about being a writer is throwing launch parties. And I said at the first launch party that you know we should enjoy ourselves tonight because there's never going to be a second book. <laughs> and, uh, and then at the second book, I said, "Wow, we should really enjoy ourselves because there's no way there's a third. Uh, and I'm happy to say I'll be saying that again at the uh, book launch for the third book. Uh, so never intended to even release them as a book, let alone have three. I was just lucky enough that maybe it, the first book struck a chord and Dundurn Press asked if I had something that could fit in their fall category for the second book. And uh, the third book will be out um, May of 2024. 
And so the Halloween book, which is the second one, so where did those stories kind of come from? Uh, very organically, I was lucky enough to be invited to lots of schools to talk about being a, an author and helping students with their writings. And we would do little writing activities, play little word games to try to get ideas going. And strangely enough, or, or I guess not surprisingly, a lot of the ideas that the teens came up with were zombies and uh, <laughs> horrific monsters and things like that. And when Dundurn asked if I had something for fall, I said, well, there's this idea. How about a whole bunch of ghost stories, scary stories? Uh, we'll follow the idea of, of Robert's Hill, the first book. So a bunch of short stories all having to do with, with Halloween and spookiness. And um, they said, sure, great. Can you write it? And I put together some ideas and it turned out to be the second book, which is called The Strange Grave of Mikey Dunbar and Other Stories to Make You Poop Your Pants. <laughs> I just like that name, Mikey Dunbar. That's a good name. Thank you. Thank you. I'll tell you something I don't tell most people about Mikey Dunbar is that his name didn't matter. What mattered to me was the anagram. So there's something very specific if you rearrange the letters of Mikey Dunbar. Are you Ooh. going to tell us or do I have to like figure that out by myself? Uh, I, should I guess okay. I could, just because we're close, I guess I, we're friends so I could tell you. I don't know, though. I want to try to guess it, though. All right. All right. All right. So, yeah. So there's four stories in the second book called <laughs> The Strange Grave of Mikey Dunbar. And each one tells you a different version of why Mikey's grave is so strange or who or what is buried in Mikey's grave. Oh. And there's a there's a, there's a hint in there with the anagram. OK, so you'll probably get an email from me tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, you will. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Well, That's Rebecca's good. still figuring it out. I'll be like, just tell me. It is wonderful. And, and something I'd never anticipated was when someone sees something in your story that you never saw. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'll give you a quick example of a, of a little girl who noticed a, I won't call it a plot hole, but an unanswered question. And she put her hand up at a reading one time and, and, and asked this specific question. And I said, you know, first off, well done. I'm glad you noticed that. And second off, the entire editing team never mentioned it once. Wow. So well done, seven-year-old girl in a library. Because <laughs> the editor, I, I knew it was there, but the editors didn't have a problem with it. And I didn't know how to fix it without making more work for myself. So I just left it in. <laughs> and which collection was that in? Which book was it in? That would be one of the stories in the, in the Halloween book, The Strange okay. Grave of Mikey Dunbar and other stories to make you poop pants. She's going to be an impressive editor when she gets older then. I, that's yep. exactly what I said. You know, you should be you should be going through stuff and and getting paid well for it because yeah, that that's really remarkable. So I couldn't help but wonder when I was reading the stories if there were incidents in your family history that inspired some of the stories, or are they strictly like imaginative? Uh, there there are some some real people and some real incidents. Uh, I, I, I'm assuming this is a roundabout way of asking if the time I put my snowsuit is a real. Yeah. <laughs> is it you? Story. Is it you, okay. Jeremy? <laughs> so as I always tell students, uh, I, I, yes, it was true. It was a long time ago. <laughs> and, uh, and in the story, I've exaggerated all the instances, but it's pretty much how it happened kind of idea. Uh, so there's ones like that, that happened, you know, real things that happened in my life. And, but a lot of them are things that uh, were inspired by my life. So there's one that's called uh, Never Open a Present on Christmas Eve, a cautionary tale. <laughs> uh, we had a tradition when I was growing up of opening a present on Christmas Eve, and I had a history of always picking the worst present. Um, so yes, those things like that did happen. But often they're they're just things I wanted to talk about or things I wanted to expand on the idea of sort of like, um, what is the greatest Christmas movie of all time? 
uh, I just started ruminating on that and, and started looking it up. And that ended up being a fun story called the greatest Christmas movie of all time ever. And, you know, when I fell in love with the, the Scrooge story, I, I wrote humbug. Um, so there's just, there's always a nugget, negative, a nugget of truth that gets me started. And then I kind of expand on it from there. So what about the pigeon King? Because is that the lighted train that goes through Canada? Is that kind of taken from that? Yeah. So the Pigeon King saves Christmas. Yeah. That's very much where I got that holiday train idea. Uh, but the Pigeon King, it comes from stories that I used to tell my daughters when they were very little for some reason. And I honestly don't know why, uh, I ended up telling them a series of stories over, over their childhood, uh, about the Pigeon King and his little adventures. And uh, sadly, I don't remember most of them, but, uh, it came, when it came time for that year's Christmas story for the whole family, we had not only my little girls in the family, but lots of little kids in the family. So I wrote the Pigeon King saves Christmas for the little ones in the family. That's, that's one of the reasons that, the the audience changes throughout the story, right? Some of them are for big kids mm -hmm. and some of them are for little kids because that's what happened in my family. We started off, I wrote them when we were all young and then we all got older and I wrote older stories and then we all started having babies and I wrote kid stories again. Okay, so who is this collection for? Because it's interesting <laughs> because I was even thinking like, like teens, preteens, this would be really good, but I wasn't sure, like, who's the audience? So this is why the marketing department doesn't like me. <laughs> um, the good people at Dunder and Press, but I've angered the marketing department because I call it a family book. My, mm -hmm. The thing I would want most would be for a family to, to gather and read one of my stories, uh, you know, leading up to the holidays, get them in the mood kind of idea. Uh, so I usually tell parents, hey, read them and then... And then, you know, let it, let your kids read the ones you want. I tried to make the titles as obvious as possible. So I would say things like uh, Christmas time in the neighborhood, the pigeon King saves Christmas, Merry Christmas, Mr. Baggins. Those are all great ones for the little kids. Maybe the Christmas divorce is not one you read to your kids or the 12 shots of Christmas. Again, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one the grownups might appreciate more. That's actually a really, really good point because I... I mean, I love this idea of sharing it with family because as the family gets older and changes, you know, their demographics, the story could be something they could share that could be kind of their, you know, history of, of reading this every year or their uh, tradition, I should say. Yeah. So I really like that. It would, I would be absolutely delighted if someone started with The Pigeon King Saves Christmas and as they got older, graduated something like The Sweet Things or, or uh, a Humbug or something like that. And I have to laugh about the one about opening gifts on Christmas Eve because we mm. always did the same thing. We were we were given the opportunity to open one gift at on Christmas Eve, and I am thankful that I did not have the same experience as the kid in the story because oh. <laughs> I did not. I I think I picked good ones every year. I think. <laughs> oh, the 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 story of the child opening the handkerchief really that was <laughs> word for word what happened to me. I thought. I thought, maybe I'm not a smart kid, but I thought that the, the thinness of the box made it something special, mm. right? It was, there's something unique about how thin it was. And then I was six and opened up a monograph, monogram <laughs> handkerchief and thought, what kind of a person sends this for someone for Christmas? Yeah. Who did send that? Uh, my Aunt Muriel. Oh. My Aunt Muriel, God bless her soul. Uh, we used to send things from England and I... Again, I thought it was exotic. You know, she. I, yeah. I thought that this was someone who came from from the whole world away and and talked in a strange way and and said things like lorry and lift and tin. 
I thought she was the most exotic person in the whole world, but apparently she didn't. <laughs> she didn't know much about five-year-old boys and, and what they want for Christmas. Well, and I have to laugh because she was a great aunt as well, I think, in the story. And I think that was, wasn't that part of what made him want to pick that because she was a great aunt, I think. I thought that was part of it. But yes. I'm a great aunt, so I I took that to heart when I read that. I was like, oh, my God, could, please don't ever let me give a kid a gift <laughs> that they write a story about many years later about me. Yeah, it, it's, it, I was dumbfounded as a child. Why would they give a name of great to someone who would give such lousy presents? Yeah. <laughs> it makes no sense. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. Um, there was something else I wanted to ask you. Now I'm forgotten what it was. We've hmm. covered the it'll, poop thing, so that's good. That's I know. Good. <laughs> well, it'll yeah, it'll come it'll come back to me in a minute here. But I do. Well, I just want to say this that I want to encourage people to pick up this book, and I and I am actually I want to read the Halloween book now, especially hmm. uh, because I really love this one. The stories are they, they like I cried on some of them, and I laughed on some of them, and they reminded me of things in my own childhood that just brought back great memories. In fact, I was sharing one with my mom today because my brother, the one story I'm going to ask you to read is about a road trip. And I was reminded of a road trip that we did. And this was back in the day when you didn't have seatbelts for kids, right? (laughs) And car seats. And my brother, my little brother was standing behind my dad and he was singing glory, you know, glory, mm-hmm. that thing. Yeah. But he, that's all he knew of the song. So every time he didn't know any other word, he just knew that. And he kept singing over and over. And I said something to my mom, who's 86 years old. And I said, remember when he did that? And she's like, oh, my God. And we laughed. And I thought, what a great thing to do is read this story and have that memory of my little brother uh, doing something that annoyed all of us, but uh, it, was, it was Christmas. So what can you, what can you say? But and it's funny how those memories you know, linger. It's the things you don't think that you would remember forever that you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I've, I've tried to explain this to, to, to parents, first time parents that, you know, that it doesn't matter if you make the Disney world trip or not, yeah. mm-hmm. it'll, it'll be the conversation you had with dad on the way home from Disney world that you remember 20 years later. So it's, it's not about how much you spend at the cottage or if you remember the floaties, it's, it's about playing cards and, and making someone laugh so hard milk came out their nose. It's it's those, it's those moments of being together that, that really are all that matters. Yeah. And I think that's what this book does really well is it. Thank you. Yeah. It just really is. It was very emotional, but like I said, it was fun, funny, heartbreaking at parts and everything. I loved it. So what I would like to ask, if you wouldn't mind, Mm. is reading an excerpt from, uh, oh my gosh, what was it called again? (laughs) Merry Merry Christmas, Mr. Baggins. Thank you. That's the one. Because that was actually my favorite story because it did. We did a lot of family trips. My, my, I'm, we were in Michigan and my grandparents were in Alabama. So we did a lot of road trips down there. And so I just, Love that story, especially. I would be delighted to read it, and and it's one of those uh, one of those stories that again I didn't realize the universality of it. Um, how many people come and or talk to me and say that they always had the worst spot in the car, <laughs> and it it seems like every child, no matter where you sat, you felt you had the worst spot in the car. Yeah, I got the bump. Yeah, I got the bump a lot. I was going to say the bump seat is the worst seat in the car. Yeah. That was I was on the bump for for most of my childhood and in, in, in a in a pan, wood paneled station wagon. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, if I can, I'll read the the last little part of uh, Merry Christmas, Mr. Baggins, and this comes from 
uh, a father and son who are the last ones awake in the car. Mom and sister have fallen asleep on this long drive to go see grandma and grandpa on Christmas. And the father and the son are the last ones awake. And uh, dad lets him listen to uh, The Hobbit on audio tape. Me and my dad traveled down long stretches of dark, empty highway, while the hobbit, the wizard, and the 13 dwarves traveled to the mountain of Erebor. I can't honestly say that I was able to follow the whole story. I was maybe a little young for the book, but I remember lots about listening to The Hobbit. I remember my dad, his deep voice as he whispered about the next part of the story before flipping over the tape, the excitement in his face as he talked about the Battle of the Five Armies, the way he tried to sound like the English narrator when he said names like Gloin and Gandalf. I remember the way he would smile out toward the road when he talked about what had just happened in the story. And I remember the only time that night when he stopped the tape. It was to go back and listen to his favorite part of the story. It was the description of the dragon. My dad keeping one hand on the steering wheel while rewinding the cassette so he could hear Smaug boasting to the little hobbit. My armor is like tenfold shields. My teeth are swords. My claws are spears. The shock of my tail is a thunderbolt. My wings are hurricane. And my breath, death. When the tapes were done... When chapter 19 was finished, when Bilbo had made his way back to Bag End, my dad and I stayed up talking for the rest of the night. Dad basically told me the entire story of Lord of the Rings while occasionally telling me that if mom saw I was still awake, we were both going to get in trouble. But it never happened. Mom slept through the night and we talked about dwarves and elves and rings until morning. When we stopped for breakfast, everyone in the backseat assumed I had been asleep like them. But I hadn't. I'd been with my dad to Middle-earth. We had gone on an adventure together, defeated a dragon, found the Arkenstone, and made Dane the king under the mountain. Just the two of us. My sisters hadn't been to Bayarn's house. My mother hadn't gone to the cave palace of the Elven King. Just we did that. Just me and my dad. We listened to the story the next night, both nights, and on the return journey, several times each trip in the following years. Now, my kids and I have read the books together, but it was never the same as when me and my dad listened to the old cassettes in the family station wagon. The darkness outside, always just beyond the reach of the headlights. His hands on the steering wheel looking impossibly large. The quiet hiss of the tape whenever the narrator took a pause. It was magic. A young boy, his father, and the quest to reclaim the kingdom of Erebor. And that's why I'm recording this. I hope you hear it like I did. Just you and your dad. The two of you together to defeat the dragon, avenge a fallen king, and reclaim your kingdom. Merry Christmas, grandson. Chapter 1. An Unexpected Party In a hole in the ground there lived a hobbit. Not a nasty, dirty, wet hole filled with the ends of worms and an oozy smell, nor yet a dry, bare, sandy hole with nothing in it to sit down on or to eat. It was a hobbit hole, and that means comfort. Wow. That was fabulous. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank it is you. One of my favorites to read. It reads really well. It is an audio, but also just to read it. I just, like I said, that one was my favorite one of the collection, I think. Thank you. Um, one of the things I did, I did remember my question from earlier when I said I'd forgotten. But so when you say you're a writer, you've got these three books that you'll have, but what have, what have you been doing? Have you written other things or are there other things coming in the future outside of uh, the, the third book next year? I, I haven't thought that far ahead. I haven't thought about a fourth book. Um, essentially, I would write whatever 
Dundurn would ask me to write. I'd be happy to, to, to make more and more and more. I really enjoy what it is I get to do with the, these books. And, and uh, I'll be very clear, writing is not my favorite part. Reading the stories to audiences oh. is without question the best part of, of my day. Uh, and I'm lucky enough to do it uh, more and more regularly. So um, I would happily just read stories all day long, but it sounds like I need to write them as well, which which <laughs> which I will begrudgingly do. My next, my proposal for the next one was uh, a collection of bedtime stories, you know, a, a pirate story and a ghost story and a, um, stories about ninjas and knights and shining armor and all those sorts of things. But that I will have to get, I have to finish editing book three first. <laughs> <laughs> so Jeremy, cause you, that was a wonderful reading, by the way, you're very good at reading aloud your stories. Is there an audio book of your story or is that something you would want to make? I, I would be delighted to make an audio book. Uh, there's been a few recordings here and there on, on the internet, but uh, we've talked a little bit about making something. I would like to make more than just uh, an audio book. I would love it to be an audio, a play, a production. Mm. You know, I, I, I would love to, to hire someone with a great English voice to read all the parts of, uh, of The Hobbit that I use in that story uh, rather than me. Uh, some cool sound effects and all that stuff. I, I think it would be it would be wonderful. We've talked specifically about doing it with the second book, um, and so we've actually had some conversations with some people about what it could sound like with spooky monster sounds and and things like that. But uh, somewhere down the road, I would be delighted to do that. Jeremy, thank you so much. I think you've kicked off our annual Christmas books podcast really, really well. I think, My pleasure. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I encourage everybody to get a copy of one or all three. Well, the third one's not out yet, but when it does come out next year. And uh, just thank you so much. You are a natural storyteller, whether you write it down or whether you tell it. Uh, you just did. You were just just a joy to have you today. Yeah. Oh, my delightful. Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, before I let you get, we let you get away, yeah. Jeremy. Do you have a favorite Christmas book that you like to reread every year or every couple years? Um, that's really good. I, I'm, uh, you guys talk to a lot of writers and I'm probably the worst reader that you've ever spoken to because I tend to, <laughs> I, I tend, well, A, I tend to, uh, to read the same thing over and over again. That's so I okay. read the Lord, I read, read the Lord of the Rings every couple of years. Yeah. I, I'm lucky enough to read, uh, Merry Christmas, Mr. Baggins or the Pigeon King Saves Christmas and things like that. Occasionally I will, uh, if I've got a an audience, a very captive audience, I'll read something like the sweet things. That one is one of my absolute favorites, um, uh, because it was such a surprising one as far as what I thought it was going to be and what it turned out to be. And I also think it has, uh, just a really beautiful message about the joy of, of giving and, uh, and, uh, how love is, can be multiplied when it's given away it's the only thing in the world that comes back to you more once you've given it out. So uh, that's one of my faves. And sometimes I get to read that at Christmas and I, and I truly enjoy that. Yeah. And that one had a really like a, a very old classical fairy tale kind of vibe to it. I really liked that one. Yeah. Thank that you. was really Thank beautiful. I, and that was, again, just a question I stumbled across who invented the candy cane. And since no one seems to know, because it was a long time ago, I decided to make up the story of the invention of the candy cane. And uh, and, and again, I, I really was pleased at how different it turned out than what I expected. I think that's the magic of writing is when part of your brain surprises another part of your brain with what it came up with. Uh, that's a, a truly magical thing. And that was one where I did not expect the ending to be what it was going to be. Wow. Okay. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you. Delightful. Appreciate you taking the time. 
Well, that was a fun interview. It was. Jeremy is a wonderful storyteller. Like his stories really come alive when you, through his voice. I agree. And I was thinking, yeah, I would love to hear him do all of his books on audio because he is, yeah, that's fantastic. So I agree. But this second half of our show today is going to be our annual Christmas books program or or podcast. And you did it last year. It was really popular. And I, and this is really your baby. So, because I don't really do Christmas readings. So I'm going to turn it over to you and tell us what you have either planned for this year for Christmas or what you're recommending to us. Okay. So I'm bringing five Christmas themed books or holiday themed books to the podcast today. Okay. I've got them in little groups and I have a surprise one. The fifth one is kind of a surprise, but not really as far as like uh, what I will say the theme of it is. Okay. But I'm going to start out with probably like the most standard Christmas books and those are going to be our romances. So I brought, I have two romances for us today. Okay. So the first one is my most anticipated one because I have been looking forward to this one since the author, I don't know what's the word, not posted, although it was posted because I saw it on Instagram, since she spoke of this book at the beginning, I think it was at the beginning of the year kind of thing. And this, I know, this is Three Holidays and a Wedding by Uzma Jalaluddin and Marissa Stapley. So they co-wrote it. So uh, we're familiar with Uzma because I've read all of her books. You've read one or two of her books, mm-hmm. uh, Romances with Muslim Characters, and I love her books. Marissa Stapley is another Canadian author. I have not read any of her books yet, but she is on my list. Okay. Oh, and I find uh, co-written books interesting. I don't know how they do it. I don't either. Yeah. We should, we should, next time we have to think about that, maybe finding an author who does that and then yeah. tell us, and then they can explain to us how they do it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it would be really interesting to know. But so I haven't read this book yet, really looking forward to, but here is the setup. So Miriam Aziz and Anna Gibson are seatmates, strangers on a flight to Toronto over the holidays. Miriam is going for her sister's impromptu wedding and Anna is going to meet her boyfriend's wealthy family for the first time. Motivated by severe turbulence, the two women confess their deepest hopes and fears to each other, (laughs) thinking they will never see each other again. But there's an emergency landing, and the two women soon find themselves snowbound in the picturesque and quirky snowfall inns in small-town Ontario. Along with them is Saif, the love of Miriam's life, unbeknownst to him, and Anna's actor crush, who just happens to be filming at the inn. (laughs) And that's then holiday romance and love ensues. It just sounds delightful. Mm -hmm. I love a small town. I love a small town romance. Not that I read a lot of them, but I really enjoy them. Sounds like a Hallmark movie for sure. It totally does. Yeah, Yeah. It totally does. But I think with some diversity with a Oh, yeah. Uzma being involved, I think we'll get a little more diversity than we do in our generic Hallmark ones. Yeah. Now, for the second romance, it is The Holiday Match by Tori Samuels. 
So Tori is also a local Ontario author, and I actually met her this summer at the Eden Mills Writers Festival. Hmm, so okay. she was there selling her books. So I thought the covers are beautiful. That's the wonderful thing about Christmas romance. The covers are really, really pretty. They like mm -hmm. take you in. So I caught her books, caught my eye. I went over to her table and I grabbed one because I'm like, that's perfect for Christmas. So the little plot synopsis for the holiday match. After a bad breakup with his ex, Richard returns to his hometown of Bolton, Ontario for the holidays. He soon runs into Allison, his middle school crush, and realizes that something may be brewing between them. But wait, Richard's ex, who still has feelings for him, has conspired for him to partake in a secret Santa dating service. I, I don't know if these exist. I don't know if I'm just out of the loop, <laughs> if there are like secret Santa blind dating services, but you just kind of go with it. Anyways, yeah. a secret Santa dating service and Richard and the mystery girl are hitting it off. Who will steal Richard's heart for the holidays? It just sounds sweet, I yeah. gotta say. It just sounds like a sweet Christmas book. And sometimes I, this is what I want at Christmas time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's enough romance. Let's move on to murder, shall we? Ooh. I know. Because <laughs> I also, before I started, I haven't read a lot of Christmas romances. But I have always enjoyed reading murder books and like horror books at Christmas time. And I don't know why. I find <laughs> but I don't think I don't think it's an uncommon thing. And I love Christmas and I'm a huge sentimental fool when it comes to Christmas, but I also like a little darkness to it. Yeah. Right? Will you read a Christmas like a murder book at Christmas or? I don't know. I, my reading changes does not change at all year round. And yeah. I, yeah, I just, and I, and I, again, I don't know if I even said this last year, but I, when I moved to California, when I was in my early twenties, I just never celebrated Christmas after that. So, cause I was away from family and, you know, family and my friends were with their family. So I was always just hanging out by myself for Christmas. So it doesn't really mean anything to me really. So yeah. I don't have all those warm, fuzzy feelings about Christmas. Okay. So, Maybe a murder book will be good for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I have always read like a murder mystery or something at Christmas time, but it's only the last couple of years that I've made them like more themed Christmas murder books. Ooh. So I, of course, this is not a surprise and bringing an Agatha Christie one. So this is an Hercule Poirot and it is The Adventure of the Christmas Pudding. I love that title. Yeah. Uh, great title. <laughs> Anyways, I think it's uh, short stories and interconnected somehow. I haven't read it yet, but just a little synopsis of it. So that's just going to be part of that's my Christmas reading and my Agatha Christie reading yeah, at exactly. the same time. So mm -hmm. combines the two goals. So that'll be a fun one. Now, my fourth one is The Christmas Murder Game by Alexandra Benedict. I borrowed this one from my mom. And it's like a almost, it's got built-in puzzles from what I can tell that you kind of try and guess in addition to like the mystery itself, there are puzzles built into it for the reader. Oh. And there is on the inside a, a map, but it's like, it looks like the board game for Clue on it. So each room and stuff like this and a mm. cast of characters, which will just be fun. This is the plot. 
end game house is the Armitage's grand family home and the setting for the family's annual Christmas game. But this year's prize? The deed to the house. Lily, who hasn't returned to the house in 21 years since her mother's death, is convinced to return when her aunt promises that not only could she win the keys to the house, but she could also learn the identity of her mother's murder. We've got a blend of estranged cousins, snowed in in a grand house, phone lines down, 12 days of Christmas, 12 clues, 12 keys, who survives. Ooh. Now, did your mom read it, I assume, and, and give you like a thumbs up it was good? I assume she has the fact that she has passed it on makes me think it's a thumbs up. Mm -hmm. So she hasn't said anything to it. She just gave me a stack of books recently and said, I'm finished with these. And generally, if she thinks I'm not going to enjoy a book, she won't pass it on. Yeah. So, and I don't know when she read it. I don't know if it was last Christmas or recently. I'm going to have to ask her because I could also see, and my, my mom well, probably is listening to this right now. I could see that my mother would read Christmas books whenever she wanted to, like not just at Christmas time. Yeah, maybe August or something. Yeah, I could totally see her doing that. So mom, please let me know because I have a feeling that, yeah, she read this during the summer or something and I want to know if she's that crazy. I think she is. But it does sound really fun. That I mean, it does sound like the game Clue and that just sounds mm -hmm. really fun. It does. It really does. It reminds me of that um, movie too, which is very Clue-like. Uh, the Knives. What was it called? Did you watch that one? Oh, no. shoot. Uh, the second one in the series was Glass, Onion. Oh, my God. I think I'm totally making names up here now. I'm going <laughs> to stop because <laughs> that name sounds ridiculous. But the first one movie was something about knives. Anyways, it was super fun. But it was like a clue thing. But let's go. Let's leave that before I... Yeah, if we figure it out, we'll put it in the yeah. show notes. I know someone's I, I, shouting I at me right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay, my final book. Now, I'm only bringing five. I could have brought more books because I've been mm -hmm. keeping like a little tally of them. So, but I'm going to keep it at five. And this one, Rebecca, is a book that I think you might like to read for Christmas. I thought okay. that would be fun to bring something that like a Rebecca Christmas book. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Rebecca's book, Small Things Like These by Claire Keegan. Have you heard of Claire Keegan? Or no. read anything? No. I have heard of her, but I haven't read anything by her. And I would say in the last six months, her books keep popping up in different places for me. So I, I have to read something by her. But anyways, this was one that I found recommended as a Christmas book. Set the setting, 1985, set in a small town in Catholic Ireland. During the weeks leading up to Christmas, Bill Furlong, a coat and, sorry, coat, a coal and timber merchant, faces his busiest season. But his past is also rising up to meet him when he encounters the complicit silences of a people controlled by the church. It's described as an unforgettable story of hope, Quiet Heroism and Tenderness. That sounds like you. Totally sounds like right? me. Oh my gosh. I'm going to yeah. look that one up. For I sure. know. I'm like, I, I know like the, the murder books I could see you interested in. I'm like the romances. 
Rebecca will not be interested in. But I'm like, I'm going to find a book that I think Rebecca will be like, I may read that this Christmas. Oh, that's so sweet of you to do it that way. I think that I think you might have to do that every year now and find a good book that I would really enjoy. But I'm totally looking this one up. That does sound very, very good. So, yeah. Now, are you sure since you made a long list that you don't want to add anything else? Are you sure? Okay, you know what? I won't give these won't have as big a synopsis because I haven't prepared it. But this is one that I think I read several years ago, like decades ago but I want to revisit. And that is Winter Solstice by Rosamond Pilcher. Are you familiar with her? I've heard of her, but I don't think, yes. I'm sure I haven't read anything yet. I think she wrote a lot in the 80s, uh, English writer. Uh, I think her most popular book was like The Shell Seekers. Mm-hmm, yeah. I went through a phase when I read her books and I loved them. And The Winter Solstice is like a Christmas book by Rosamond Pilcher. I think it's, it would be a classic Christmas okay. read. I've also heard great things about The Christmas Bookshop by Jenny Colgan. Again, another author that I have not read. There's All I Want for Christmas by Maggie Knox. This book was published last Christmas, and Maggie Knox is actually a co-written book. I'm going to quickly write it, um, look it up right now. Okay. It's two Canadian authors who, again, got together and co-wrote this Christmas book. Hmm. Oh, yes. So it is Karma Brown and Marissa Stapley. Oh, who wrote the my first book with Uzma. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So that seems like, I think I read her first one. Oh, yeah, their first one. I'm, here I am referring to them in the singular. But uh, the first one was The Holiday Swap, which I read last Christmas. And their latest one, which was published in 2022, is All I Want for Christmas. Okay. So that's, I thought, would be, again, if you're just looking for like a, a fun romance. This one is going to be a little shout out to a friend of the podcast, Sarah. And this is probably suggested by Sarah. And it is Letters from Father Christmas by Tolkien. You know, Lord of the Rings fame. Yep. And one that I very recently heard about. About and put on my list is a Holly Jolly Diwali by Sonia Lolly, which yeah. you know we want to make all of our reading more inclusive and diverse. So mm-hmm. I thought that sounded like a great one. Oh, I yeah. like that one, Holly Jolly Diwali. Okay, cool. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, good. I think, I think that's good. I think that's good. Yeah, I think that's good. So you kind of gave us a little description for five of them, yeah. But then you gave us some more to 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 choose from. And I think that's a really good list for our listeners. And obviously, if you have, you know, those of you listening, if you have titles that you really love, maybe you take reread at Christmas or something you've read it or during a recent Christmas that you really love that you want us to know about, please let us know. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. I w- want to hear them all if you have any suggestions. And please keep in mind, I will not be reading all of these books that I've listed off here. So don't. Uh, think I'm going to be going on like a reading Christmas binge. These yeah. are all the ones that are going to be on my list that I'm going to be reading over the next several years. But I just wanted to highlight and bring a lot of them to the show for you today. 
Yeah. I'm yeah. sure that there will be some new titles for people or ones that people have read that they really enjoyed. So if you have read any of these, again, let us know if you have and if you've really enjoyed it. And especially that Christmas murder game or whatever that one was called. Yes. The Christmas murder game. Yeah. Yeah. Christmas murder game. That one. I wonder if she's written anything else. Are you looking it up right now or? I am. Well, I'm looking at the book. So I can, yeah, yeah, so yeah. No. Well, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm doing is looking at the book going, but I don't see any. Uh, I don't see anything, but yeah. Yeah, maybe it's yeah. the first one. So yeah. anyway, so well, thank you so much. Thank you. Happy reading. Happy Christmas reading. Thank you for joining us on our bookish journey. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing Canada Reads American Style wherever you listen. You can connect with the podcast and Rebecca on Instagram at Canada Reads American Style and with Tara at On a Branch Reads. Until next time, keep reading.